welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Before we jump into the message today, uh, because of it being uh, Memorial Day weekend, I want us to take a, a minute, because I think it would be really amiss not to do so, and, uh, and recognize what Memorial Day is all about. That's why I'm wearing this uh, t-shirt today. It was given to me by uh, a man that uh, runs a ministry at Sandy Ridge uh, Baptist Church a couple of years ago, because I bumped into him at a uh, downtown festival. And uh, he had found out that I do some things with Patriot Guard and uh, wanted to uh, give me a shirt. He didn't have a large uh, in stock at the time. He's already out. And he actually came two weeks later here to the office uh, to bring me one. Uh, and it, it represents fallen heroes. You can see from the uh, image on the back of it. And they have a special ministry where they go around and try and minister to families and try and keep before uh, our community uh, those that have fallen. And, and I think you recognize that's what Memorial Day is about. Memorial Day is not just a time to have a picnic. Nothing wrong with having a picnic, having a hamburgers or family time. But that's not what it's about. It's also different than Veterans Day. In just a few minutes, I also want to recognize our veterans. But it's different from Veterans Day in, in this light uh, that those who served our country died uh, serving our country. And, uh, and I think we need to take time to recognize that. Um, I, I know we have uh, at, at least one uh, with us who has had a family member to die in active duty a few years ago. So I'm going to ask Angela if she would just keep standing for a moment. But there may be others I'm unaware of. In the first service, we actually had uh, uh, a man that I was unaware of that had had uh, family to, to die in service to our country. So before I also recognize the veterans, if you uh, are a person who's, who's had someone die in service to our country, would you stand, remain standing? Anyone else here that's had a person? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. All right. What I would like to ask uh, some of you to do, not everyone, because I'll need some of you with our veterans in a moment, but if some of you would move to where these are standing, and we're going to have prayer in a moment, would, would you move and stand with them and pray with them? And uh, in just a moment, these who are standing, uh, who've had loved ones die and serve to our country. So please do that. Some of you look for them and uh, go stand where they are uh, and pray with them. Um, I'd also like for anyone who's a, a veteran who has served our, our country, um, whether it be during a war or not during war, but if you have, if you've served our, our nation in the military, would you please stand? And can I ask some of you to, yeah. And, and some of you who are still seated, would you come and join and stand around some of these who have served our country uh, also? And, and then we're going to go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment. But I uh, want some people stand with them and, you know, thanking them for their service. And Let's pray. Father, we... We, we thank you for the freedom that you've given us in our country. Uh, Father, we, we pray that you uh, rebirth in our nation a love for the freedom that we've had. Uh, Father, we thank you for these who have served our, our country, uh, for the time in, in the 
trouble they went through to uh, stand and uh, many of them to help defend freedom or to be there available and willing to be called upon to help uh, defend freedom uh, across the world. But Father, we recognize there are some here who have had uh, loved ones who have died uh, in service to our country. Uh, Lord, we know full well you understand because you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. So, Father, these who have lost loved ones, we pray that, that today uh, and, and, and tomorrow, Memorial Day, that you give them fond memories. Uh, Father, we thank you for their service. We thank you that they were willing to pay the ultimate price, although we're sorry they had to do that. But we want to honor them and thank you for all that they've done. Father, help us tomorrow to have those thoughts, to help us to think about and be uh, remembered uh, tomorrow, uh, to have remembrance tomorrow of, of what Memorial Day really, really represents. Uh, once again, we thank you for these who have served. We ask you to just be with us now as we go through the service and through the message. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you would go back to your seat. Even though we're doing a series that we've called uh, "Call It All Men," and, and of course the focus uh, with Father's Day uh, coming up on the nineteenth is kind of why we were uh, led to go into this series, I think, and we're focusing on uh, topics especially maybe helpful for men. But as I mentioned to you last week, that doesn't mean to put your mind in neutral if you don't qualify in that category as being a man, because there's things that all of us can learn uh, in this series. We're, we're doing a little bit of a, of a character study of Abraham. We're not going verse by verse through his whole life. Could not even begin to do that in the five weeks of this series. But we're pulling out different components, different parts of the story of Abraham and, uh, and trying to apply some stories that I think can be helpful for us uh, as uh, believers and especially as, as men. I think using Abraham was appropriate uh, because uh, God called him as Abram. Uh, he was a worshiper of idols uh, over in the Ur of the Chaldees, and God called him uh, by his own grace to come and, and follow him. Uh, and then eventually God changed his name in uh, Genesis 17, said, No longer your name shall be Abram, which means high father. Uh, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And, and then God kind of gives us the uh, definition of the name of Abraham for said, for I have made you a father uh, of a multitude of nations. Uh, you remember the background to the story. Uh, he was an old age when God called him, around 75 years old, when God called him to step out on faith and follow him. Been really easy for Abraham just to make excuses and say, well, you know, I'm 75, you someone else, call someone else. But God reached down and called him by his grace and his mercy uh, to step out on faith and follow him. Uh, so Abram did that. And we focused last week on this topic. We, we talked about how, uh, how we need to take our family with us by faith. And uh, Abraham did that as he moved from the Chaldees, heading to a land that he didn't even know where it would ultimately be. God just said, I'll show you this land. And that gives us an excellent illustration of how uh, we as men especially, we ought to be willing to, to lead our families, to have the faith, to step out on faith, and take our families with us. Today we're going to talk about build your altar, build your altar. 
Uh, I've got a little bit of a sample one up here in, in front of us. Uh, and the, uh, the thought is really this, that we need to uh, be sure, guys, that we're, that we're leading in worship, uh, that we need to uh, uh, be worshiping God. And that's the thought of it. I'm not talking about you necessarily building a physical altar. It was a place of sacrifice uh, that uh, Abram was making in honor uh, to God. Uh, but we need to be worshiping God. We need to keep that active uh, in our lives and keep it before our families. Uh, we should not let the ladies be the ones that lead in worship. Uh, God gave us responsibilities, uh, and, and it's more than, than what we think it ought to be to be the leader of the home. I think sometimes men think being the leader of the home uh, means that you sit in the recliner and you change the channels and you tell your wife to go get you something out of the refrigerator or to fix you a meal and, uh, and things like that. If that's your view of being the leader in the home, you've completely missed spiritually what God wants you to be about. Uh, you need to be willing to be the leader in your home spiritually, for you to take it upon yourself as, as a man and for us not to let the, uh, the ladies be the one that has to be leading uh, in that. Here's our scriptures today as we talk about uh, building your, your altar, and we'll read these, and uh, some of the, most of the message will come for this, and then we'll read a little bit more in Genesis also about, uh, about Abraham. Uh, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. Uh, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there, once again, it tells us he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards, some translations say the, the south land, uh, the uh, English Standard Version just uses the word Najib, which is the, the word that's translated there, the actual Hebrew word. And it talked about a, a south land that was kind of a desert place uh, to the south of Canaan, uh, where he was uh, headed to. Uh, as he uh, as he continued to move onward, I want us to consider this today. We we see a, a habit. It seems like to me in the scriptures of Abram or Abraham uh, building an altar. And as he moved from place to place, we even see in the verses that we read today that he built an altar and then he built an altar again. And and it appears to me that when Abraham was staying active in his worship, and when he was building altars that things went fairly well in his life. But we also have some indications of when he failed to build an altar. At least we're not told that he built an altar. And instead, he uh, just kind of checked things out in his own logic, made his own decisions uh, to go into Egypt. We'll talk about that in detail uh, a little bit later in the message. Then it appeared to me when he failed to keep his altar active, that's when he got into trouble. Now, I, I will tell you, I think that's my personal experience. How about you? You know, if you're keeping your altar active, if you're staying uh, active in your worship of God, that it's not to say everything will be fine, everything will be roses, but even in the midst of negative stuff, it can still be okay. You know, as long as you've got your altar active. But it's when you forsake it and when you forget about it and you start just making your own choices and your own decisions, that's what lands us in trouble. Uh, you know, that, that's what has happened to me uh, in, uh, in my own life. Uh, so, so let's look at him building uh, an altar. To, to begin with, if you're following along in your blanks, the, the first one is this. In response uh, to God's promise and God's presence, we need to worship God. That's what we see literally taking place in verse number 7. The Bible tells us the Lord appeared to Abram and said, 
to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So, so God made a promise to him about the land that he was going to give to his offspring. And it said, God appeared to him, uh, in response to that, we will see Abram building an altar in response to the promise of God and to the presence of God. So let's talk about the promise of God to start with. The, the promise of God is a reason why you and I need to keep our worship active. That's why we need to build our altars. Uh, the Bible said, then God appeared to him and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Uh, kind of an interesting thing about the, the, the word offspring in the Hebrew. Uh, yes, it's referring to his future uh, posterity. It's refu- referring to his descendants. But in the Hebrew, uh, the use of it here is singular and masculine intense. So masculine intense, of course, talks about a son. But since it is singular uh, intense and not plural, the ultimate fulfillment of it is, guess who? Jesus Christ. He is the seed of Abraham. That's the ultimate fulfillment of the promise that will be given. And God said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And he uses a word that means with great latitude in a large way. I'm going to give this land to you. Here's a picture of it. God had called Abraham to come and follow him. He said, follow me and I'll take you to a land. Didn't even tell him where it was, what it would look like. So Abraham, by faith, steps out. Now he arrives at this place and God says, look around. This is what I'm going to give you. In other words, he's saying, this is it. This is what I have told you about that I will give to your offspring. This is the the land that I will give you. In in response to God's promise, in response to God's call, we we see Abram stepping out by faith to follow God. Now, I want to remind you some things from last week. God did not call or choose Abram because he was a very, very good person. He lived in a place where he had grown up worshiping idols. He was a, he was a, a worshiper of idols. That's what his culture was. So God didn't look down one day and say, hey, because you're such a good person, I'm going to call you. And instead, God in his grace sovereignly chose to call Abram to become Abraham and to be the father of the Jewish race. And he stepped out by faith. In a similar way, that's happened for us. You see... You may not like this, but if you'll be honest with yourself, this is true. You're not good enough for God to call you. Amen? There's nothing about you that makes you so attractive and so good that God said, I want you for myself. So God, through Christ, has sovereignly chose us, if you know Christ as your Savior. God looked down by his grace, not because you deserved it, but he looked down and he chose you by his grace. He called you by his grace to be part of his family. He has saved you by his grace. And because of all the promises that we have in Christ, you and I need to keep our worship active. He's promised us forgiveness. He's promised us eternal salvation. He's promised us eternity with him. We'll talk about his presence in just a moment. But because of the very promise of God, we need to be worshiping him. We need to keep our altar built, more or less, is what I'm saying. We need to be sure that we're actively worshiping God when we think about the promise. And as I've already said a moment ago, men, don't pass the baton off to the ladies. Don't let that slip from your responsibility. It's fine for the women to lead in worship. I'm not saying they shouldn't lead in worship at all. They should help you, but, but they shouldn't, you, you shouldn't have to catch up to where they are. You understand what I'm saying? You, you need to have enough love for the Savior because of what he's done for you that, that you're the spiritual leader in your home. 
And you need to keep your altar active because of the very promises of God that we have in Christ. But not just his promises, also because of his presence. Twice in verse 7, at the first of the verse and at the end of the verse, it refers to the presence of God. Uh, the, The second part of verse 7 said, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The eternal self-existent God of all the universe appeared. That means he, he made motion towards in the direction of Abraham, appeared to him. And as a result of that, as a result of the promise and the presence of God, he built, he constructed an altar, a place where an animal would be sacrificed in worship of God because of the very promise of God and because of the presence of God. Now, I I can almost maybe hear thoughts because I, I think I tend to think like this sometimes too. You might be thinking to yourself, well, man, if God would appear to me like he did Abraham, I would keep my altar active. I would be worshiping God like I should if he would just appear to me. See, we tend to think like that sometimes about the, the heroes of the faith and Bible characters. If, if God would just appear to me like he did to Abram, then, man, I would worship him. I would keep my altar active. I, I would be building my altar. I'd be leading worship in my, my home if God would just really appear to me like that. Well, let's use that criteria for a minute. Because, you see, God has appeared. He appeared in the form of his son. His son lived a perfect, sinless life, was condemned to a cross even though he did no wrong. He died on the cross for our sins. He took his life back up on the third day, proving he had done everything and paid everything necessary for God's redemption plan to be finished. He ascended, he sat down at the right hand of God, and as he promised, he sent his Holy Spirit. Guess where the Holy Spirit lives? You see, if you know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the very presence of God, lives inside of your life. So the criteria that we were using a minute ago that we might tend to think through our minds sometimes when we say things like, well, man, if I was Abraham and if God would really appear to me, then I would really worship him and I would keep my altar active and I would lead and worship in my family and and all those types of things. Listen, we have a closer connection to God than Abraham did. If you know Christ as your Savior, the very God of all the universe lives inside of you. So should not that be enough to cause us to say, yes, God, because of your presence in me, I will keep my altar active. I will keep my worship of you active. I will lead in the worship in my home because the God of all the universe lives inside of me. See, we, we ought to, in response to his promise, in response to his presence, we, we, we need to to, to keep our altar active and not a place of sacrifice necessarily because we don't need to build an altar of sacrifice because Jesus took care of that, amen, forever. But Paul tells us this, that our lives need to be living sacrifices to God. Because in Romans 12, 1, he says, I appeal to you therefore. We did a full series, took us about two years to go through the book of Romans a, a couple of years ago, and we were going verse by verse through Romans. If you remember, I told you that word, therefore, and he said, by the mercies of God, that points back to everything that Paul had written about in Romans. Yes, we're sinners, but thank God we can be saved by grace. Amen? 
In light of that, therefore, in light of that, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We don't have to sacrifice an animal. Jesus took care of that. Our altar ought to be living lives. We ought to be living sacrifices. You and I ought to be living altars, living examples for people to see of our worship of God because of his promise and also because, because of his presence. Second main thing I want you to see today is this. Wherever we go in life, we should worship God. Wherever we go in life, we should worship God. We'll see that in the example of Abram, and we'll see also an example of him getting in trouble when he failed to do it. At least it appears he failed to do it by the way the Scriptures are presented. Look with me at Genesis chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the, the, the south land or that desert place below Canaan. There, there's some important lessons I think we can learn from Abraham's example here. The, the first one is this. We don't need to settle. Instead, we need to keep pursuing God. We need to keep pursuing Christ. We don't need to settle. The, the reason I, I say that is because I want you to look at Abram's example. It said from there, the place where God had just said, hey, this is the, pl- the land I'm going to give you. From there, the place he just built an altar. From there, the place where God had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country. So he literally goes from one place to the next. That word can also talk about growing old or maybe even growing spiritually. And I think we might have a a picture here. He literally goes up into a mountain or a range of hills, but that word is used figuratively, figuratively to imply promotion in our lives. So just maybe here's a lesson we need to learn from that. Instead of us settling on the last time we felt like God appeared to us, Instead of us settling on the last time that God appeared, the last experience we had with God. Instead of us just camping out where God had appeared and we had this amazing experience in our lives, we need to be willing to keep moving forward and keep moving upward in our experience with God. Instead of you and I settling, Abraham could have said this, God, you appeared to me. I built an altar. I'm staying there. But he didn't. He continued onward. God was still leading. He continued onward, even in an upward motion as he literally goes up this hill country. You and I need to get beyond the thought of just settling. I've been tempted to do that before without even realizing. I think our churches do that many times because we might have some type of good experience with God. And it's like we want to hover over that experience. We, we want to stay there with that experience and continue to feed off of that when realistically what ought to happen is this. Yes, that, imper- that experience is important, but God has some new experiences for you. God, God has some new places he wants you to build an altar. So don't settle down. Instead, we need to keep pursuing after God. And I think we can have a, a picture of that as we see that in Abraham's life. Second thing we can learn from this story is this. We need to stretch out our life. You need to stretch out your life toward God. 
In, in the second part of verse 8, it says that on the east, as he was moving onward, on, on the east of Bethel, he pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Literally, pitching his tent meant to stretch or spread out. As you look at the word, the phrase that's used in, in the Hebrews, it, it meant to do so very clearly or conspicuously, even from a distance. In, in other words, Abraham had a pretty large tent, evidently, because of his wealth and his status. And when he pitched his tent, you could see it afar off from the distance. The root word means to be clear or shine. So you could look out across that landscape and literally see shining or clearly see the the tent that Abraham had pitched that he had stretched out. It said that he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Bethel literally means house of God. The, the, the root word talks about being, having strength or, or being mighty, especially he talks about God being the Almighty. Ai, on the other hand, is a place in, in Palestine that the root word that the name Ai comes from mean, means ruin as if overturned or a heap of stones. So, so get in your mind the picture that's taking place. In order for Abraham to get over to where he's pitching his tent toward Bethel, he had to walk past Ai. He goes past Ai, beyond Ai, and he pitches his tent as he moves in the direction of Bethel, which means house of God. I I want you to use that as a spiritual lesson in, in your life just for a minute, for me to use it as a spiritual lesson in my life. We have places of ruin in our life, don't we? All of us do, unless you want to be holier than thou and act like you've never, ever messed up at all in your life. All of us have places of ruin. I, I don't like hanging out in places of ruin. I, I, I hate the things that's happened in the past. I hate my bad choices or, or maybe even the things that were forced upon me by my environment as I was growing up. All of us have places of ruin in our life. But what we need to do is move beyond the place of ruin and move toward the house of God. We need to walk away from our ruin, and we need to walk in God's direction, and we need to pitch our tent, more or less, or stretch our life. That's why I call the, the, the title of this subpoint to stretch your life. He was stretching forth his tent. You and I need to stretch our life toward the house of God, get beyond and over the ruin that's happened in our lives, and by faith we're moving toward God, and we're going to pitch our lives, so to speak, in God's direction. We're going to park our lives in the direction of God. Instead of living over here and all the ruin that's happened, we're going to move beyond that and move our lives toward God in God's house. It's not fun living over here in the ruins. I've tried doing it before. And it will always help us when we make steps in the direction of God. Amen? When we will stretch our lives out toward Him. And we need to do it as much as any time that I've known of in my life, I think, as I look around the world. AI represents ruin. Do you realize we've got a world system that's pretty messed up? We've got a lot of ruin in our, in our world today. I, you know, I, I don't intend on keeping alluding to how old I have become, but if you had told me years ago 
that I would see some of the things and some of the things we're debating in our land today. Years ago, when I was growing up, I probably would have laughed at you. You know, I, I, if you told me years ago we would be arguing and debating upon who goes to which bathroom, I think I probably would have laughed at you. And, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but, but, but guys, I'm just going to go with God. I, I don't care what somebody else thinks. And uh, I, I think God makes men and God makes women. And I think it's pretty clear, you know, which place you ought to go to use the bathroom. And I'm not trying to be insensitive and drive anyone away. I, I know from Facebook, when I made some comments about that recently, we've probably got a couple of people that may not be uh, with us every Sunday now because of that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to drive anyone away, but I am going to stand for the truth. And if someone don't like it, I can't help that. And, and, and we just got a culture that's messed up. You know, to, to, to see, you know, just watch the news and even see things that are happening at, at, at some of the political rallies and things like that. I just don't understand that. I know it's a different world today, a different place, but, you know, you guys in law enforcement, some of you were in law enforcement probably back when I was in law enforcement then. And I, I tell you, someone was standing out in a public place dropping F-bombs and cussing people and holding up signs, and we call that disorderly conduct back in that day and time, and we hauled them away to jail. I just don't understand the place we are in the world. And I'm not trying to be political. All I'm trying to tell you is we've got a, we've got a messed up, ruined world system. That's why we better be walking toward God. And it's probably going to come in our culture, the way things are going, to where it's going to be impressed upon us more and more, forced upon us more and more, that we better make the right stand. That we better publicly stand for the Lord, instead of being back here camping out in a place of ruin, we need to stretch our lives out toward God. Third thing I want you to see out of this story of Abraham is uh, is this, as, as far as the third thing in talking about uh, wherever we, we should go in, in life. The third sub-point is simply this. We need to build our altars where we are. We need to build... Our altars. We need to keep our, our worship active or keep your altar active, you, you, you might write down. Genesis 12, 8 says this, And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He, he's building an altar, a place of sacrifice, a place that he's going to worship God. I think I mentioned this last week. I don't, don't believe I've mentioned it yet today. But in, in that day and time, when someone would move into a, a, a new area like that, like Abraham had, and build an altar, more or less it was a picture of him introducing this God that he was following into this new land. To, to a certain degree, it was like when Abram went in and he built the altar. It's like he was claiming this land that God said he had promised. It's like he was claiming that as territory for God, as he would build an altar. What I'm suggesting is that we need to do the same thing. Wherever we are in life, we need to be claiming territory for God. If it's in our churches, if it's in your home, if it's in your school, if it's where you work at, if you move from one location to another location, don't leave God behind. If you have a new experience hit your life and things aren't as easy as it used to be, don't get frustrated and leave God behind. If you're a believer, I know technically you can't do it because he lives in you, but even though he lives in you, you can ignore him, and it's as though he's not there. We, we need to, 
actively worship God. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, we, we need to worship God. And that's what Abraham is doing. He, he's building this altar, and he said he's calling upon the name of the Lord. And the, the phrase there, call upon the name of the Lord, means he's calling out loud to accost someone. It's, it's like you're seeing someone in the distance, and, and you yell their name trying to get their attention. He, he's calling out to God in that way, wanting to grab the attention of God. He's there at his altar crying out to God. He's wanting to encounter God is also what the word means. He's calling upon the name of God. In the way of Hebrew thought, you couldn't really know someone without knowing their name. So he's calling out uh, upon God, recognizing who God is, God's authority, God's character, as he calls out to him. As we look at the life of Abraham, he's marked by two things in his life, two primary things. Abraham is marked by his tent, and he's marked by his altar. The fact that he lived in his tent, I understand he was nomadic and he would move from place to place, but the, but the picture of him living in his tent it is a spiritual picture of him being a, a, a stranger in a pilgrim in the land. He's just passing through. Hebrews tells us that he was really looking for a city whose builder was what? God. Looking for a city with foundations whose builder was God. So as he's living and dwelling in this tent, it's more or less like a testimony that, hey, this isn't it. (laughs) I'm looking for something better than all this. And he also was marked by his altar. And as he moved from place to place and he's built his altar, that marked him as a worshiper of God. See, in, in a similar way, that needs to be true of our lives. First Peter tells us this as believers, we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through. This world isn't our home. I don't care how grand your house might be or the city that you might live in. You can find the most beautiful place on this planet to go and dwell and live. But if you're a believer, you shouldn't be satisfied there because it's not really your home. There's nothing in this world that's our home. We're just strangers and pilgrims passing through. There ought to be something in our lives as believers that marks us so, to where people understand that we have a higher value, that we've got a higher goal, that we've got a higher focus. There's something much better than this world that we have our eyes and our hearts set upon. We ought to have ourselves marked by being those pilgrims and strangers that First Peter talks about. We're just passing through this world. People ought to be able to look at our lives and recognize that's true of us. But they also ought to be able to look at our lives and recognize we're worshipers of God. We ought to be marked by our altar. We ought to be marked by the way we worship God, by the way we call out to God, by the way we we pray to God. Men, we need to be men of prayer. We need to be men that seek God. We need to be men that's chasing after Him. We need to be so marked by our tent and by our altar that people understand that we have sold out to follow God. We need to call upon Him like that. We need to keep our our altars, our worship of God active. Whenever Abram was doing that, it it appeared that things went reasonably well in his life. But whenever we're not told in the Scriptures that he built an altar, it seems like that's when he has some difficulties and he got in trouble in his life and so will we. So the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about is the consequences of failing to worship God. Up to this point, I've just been challenging you. 
that we need to worship God because of His promise and because of His presence. That we don't need to settle. We need to pursue after God. Don't, don't dwell on the past. That we need to get beyond our place of ruin and we need to stretch our lives out toward God in His house. That we need to worship God wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves. We, we, we need to focus upon God and, and worship Him. Because there are consequences that happen in our lives, even as believers, when we fail to worship God. You you see, Abraham had been called by God, and yet he faced some consequences, it looks like to me. In 12.9, Genesis 12.9 said that Abraham journeyed on, still going toward that south land, that desert parched place. As we keep following the story of Abram, we find out this happens. There's a famine that hits the land. We're not told in the Bible that Abraham calls upon God. Not called Abraham yet, still called Abram, but we're not, we're not told that he calls upon God. What we are told is that he keeps journeying toward the south land. He experiences a famine. We're not told he builds an altar. Instead, what we're told is this. He devises a plan himself, it seems to me. I'm not going to read all the verses. You can kind of walk through them, but more or less what happens is this, I think, because we're not told that he sought God. We're just told there's a famine in the land, and Abraham thinks, I know what we'll do. We'll go to Egypt because there's food in Egypt. There's water in Egypt. We, We can just go to Egypt, and everything will be fine. I don't know why this is the case. It's not always the case, but most of the time in the Bible, if you see God's people turn to go to Egypt, they get in trouble. A lot of times. So he decides to go into Egypt. And by the way, because his wife was, was, was beautiful, he said. Someone was kind of joking about that in a little commentary I was reading after, and they said, really? She was way up in years. <laughs> you know. Yeah, she's beautiful to Abram. Guys, take a hint from that. Our wives ought to always be beautiful to us. Amen? But he's worried about things, and he says, because you're a beautiful woman, if we go down into Egypt, and they find out you're my wife, they'll kill me so they can have you. So he said, instead of saying you're my wife, tell him you're my sister. So Abraham, this follower after God, says, hey, wife, I want you to go into Egypt. I want you to lie about who you are. So she goes in and they tell this story, this lie. Some of the princes of Pharaoh saw Sarai and saw that she was beautiful and went and told Pharaoh. And Pharaoh sent for her, brought him in and made her one of his wives. And God afflicts them because of what's taking place. And then Pharaoh figures out that he's been lied to. And he figures out that Sarah is really the wife of Abraham, and that's why he and his household is being afflicted by God. And he calls Abram to come to him, and he says, Why in the world have you done this? I want you to go, I want you to take all your possessions with you, and I want you to get out. 
So I want you to notice some consequences, some negative consequences that happen as a result of that, of that story. First of all, lost time and lost opportunities. Like I said, we're not, we're not told in the Bible that, that, that Abram seeks God. And I would think because of the way, have you noticed the pattern in the story up till now? He built an altar. God appeared to him. He built an altar. God made him promises. He built an altar. He moved from this place. He builds an altar. But now as he moves, we're not told he builds an altar. I think maybe the Holy Spirit is letting us know intentionally that an altar wasn't built there because he kind of decided to trust in his own devices, his own plan. As a result of it, he lost some time and opportunities. Since he probably didn't seek God, it appears to me he didn't, based upon what the Bible reveals to us. Since, but probably he didn't seek God. There might be some other things, other solutions, other things God was calling him to. You ever notice when we make bad choices and it takes us places we don't want to go, we lose time and opportunities. Have you ever figured out you can't back up and get the time back? Man, I wish I could. I wish I could get back and reclaim some time, don't you? Hey, some of you that have small children still, you make the best of that time because there will be a time later on that you wish you could reclaim some of that time. That you will wish you had prayed with your children more. That you would wish you had had an active altar more before them. You need to make the best of the time you can now. But another negative consequence, I think, is probably this, a lost testimony. Tell me this. (laughs) How easy would it be for Abraham now to go back and talk to Pharaoh and say, Hey, Pharaoh, I want to tell you about the living God. Wait a minute, Abram, you lied to me. You let me think that your wife was your sister, and I even brought her into my house like my wife. Did you think it would be relatively hard for Abram to recover from that lost testimony and ever be able to go back into Egypt and talk to Pharaoh about the living God? You see, we need to recognize that ourselves. When we let our altar wane, when we fail to worship God like we should, when we, when we fail to keep our worship of God active and seek after Him and be calling out to Him in prayer, and we make bad choices in our lives, we can ruin our testimony. It can be very hard for us to go back and fix it and have the influence and the impact we once had. There's also, I think, potentially a negative result of him failing to keep his altar active of future trouble. Now, the Bible doesn't clarify for sure that this is where Hagar joined the family. But I would suggest to you, logic would be, since they go into Egypt, and later on in Genesis, you find Hagar there as a handmaid of Sarah, I, I would kind of think logic might would be that, hey, that happened when they were in Egypt. When Abram went there without taking time to check things out with God. We are told he gets a lot of possessions, a lot of wealth, a lot of livestock, a lot of other things happen while he's there. Potentially, the Bible doesn't tell us one way or the other. But they went into Egypt and then later on, Sarah has this handmaid by the name of Hagar. You remember the story? God had promised 
Abraham and Sarah, the, they would have offspring, but then they start to get impatient, and they decide we'll help God out with his promise a little bit. And Sarah comes up with this plan. Abram, just go in to my handmaid. Go into Hagar and let her conceive. So he went in, and she conceived a son whose name is Ishmael. And if you trace the bloodline in the descendants of Ishmael, guess what you have today? You have the Arabic-speaking people. You have those who are predominantly Islam in the world. You, you have struggles that have happened between the bloodline of Ishmael uh, and God's people all down through the years. Because of that one act, there's been friction and trouble and wars in the Middle East from hundreds and thousands of years back until now. Still in our news. The because... He failed to check things out with God. And he didn't have his altar in Egypt. It doesn't seem like the Bible doesn't tell us that. It looks like potentially there's this future trouble that happens. As I said earlier, and it's not fun to admit it, but you need to be honest with yourself too. It's in the times that I've let my altar wane. And you see, guys, let, let me back up and stress something. I, I don't think I stressed in this service. I did the last service. Don't take an easy way out by telling yourself, but I do lead in worship. I take my family to church on Sunday. Abram wasn't taking his family to church. There was no church. He was worshiping God personally, and his family was seeing it. You don't get off the hook of being the leader of worship for your family just by taking them to church on Sunday. You, you need to be personally leading and worship yourself and giving that example with your family and your children. I'm a pastor, and I'll tell you up front, I wish I did a better job at that. Because I'm afraid a lot of times I allowed the time required to do the stuff I needed to do for church and the studying I needed to do to consume my time to where I didn't take the time I needed to with my own kids to disciple them as I should have. And I can't back up and reclaim the time. So it looked like to me there's some future trouble that he hit because of his lack of an altar. Have you ever experienced trouble in the future because of you leaving your altar behind? And, and you're not keeping your worship of God as active as you should in your life. Abram experienced some negative circumstances from failing to worship God, it appears to me in the story. You and I will experience negative circumstances in our lives when we leave our, our altar behind. Aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? You ever listen to Paul Harvey years ago? Let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. Abram's lapse of being led by God when he went into Egypt and lying about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife. We're told in Genesis 13, 1 through 4, that Abram goes back to the place where he left his worship. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into that south plain, that desert plain. 
Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. By the way, where I mentioned he experienced future trouble, some commentators, some theologians believe that that means he got a lot of wealth when he was in Egypt that also caused him a problem with his nephew Lot later on. And he journeyed from the Negev as far as Bethel. Remember us talking about Bethel earlier? To the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. He blew it when he went into Egypt. But he was self-aware of it. And when he leaves Egypt, he goes back to where he had pitched his tent. He goes back to where he built the altar at the first. And he cries out to God. Later on in the same chapter, it says this. So Abram moved his tent. And he came and settled by the oaks of Mambri, which were at Hebron. And notice what he did. (laughs) And there he built an altar. To the Lord. Looks like he learned a lesson, doesn't it? How's your altar today? How's your worship of God? I hate this happens to people, but I see it happen all the time. Someone will trust Christ as their Savior, and it's like they have stars in their eyes, and it's like they're walking on a cloud, and they're just different, and they're happy, and they're thrilled in their life, and then they backslide and get to where the rest of us are. Maybe that describes you today. Maybe you've got a place of ruin in your life that you need to get beyond. You need to spread your life out more toward God and have your altar active. Maybe you've made some decisions in your life that's gotten you in trouble because you didn't check it out with God. Instead, you just kind of went with your own logic. You went with your own human gut. Instead of really seeking God. And it's caused some problems in your life. Can I make a suggestion to you? That all of us would do what Abraham did. That we'd remember the place we walked away from our worship. We walked away from our altar. And we'd go back to it. And we'd keep taking our altar with us. And we'd keep calling out on the name of God. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for the men to begin with. Because I I know you've got a burden. I believe you have a burden. For men to be more what you desire for them to be. Because they're to be the leaders in their homes. God, forgive us for the times that we forsake our altar. That we forsake our quiet time. That we forsake our our worship of you. We forsake our prayer. We forsake our our Bible study. Forgive us for the times that we walk away. Father, I pray this morning that men will make renewed commitments to keep their altar active. 
if they're experiencing trouble because of having walked away from from the special place of worship that you call us to. Father, I pray you, you, you help them to step back to wherever that was. And build their altar and call out to you. Father, I pray not just for the men, but for the women, the teenagers, the children, any, anyone here. God, teach us today. Help us to understand we need to keep our altars active. In response to you sacrificing your son on the altar of the cross. In response to your promises. In, in response to, to your presence in our lives as believers. God, challenge us, call us, motivate us to keep our, our altars active. Father, if there's anyone here today gathered in this place that doesn't know Christ as Savior. I pray that you call them like you called Abram. They might feel unworthy, but that's okay because so was Abram. I pray you call them from wherever they are in their life, that you, you choose them, you call them as an act of grace and help them to see the full act of grace, your son dying on the cross for their sins and call them to yourself that they would trust in your son by faith this morning. God, be with our country. We thank you again for Memorial Day. Father, be with our country. Help us really be a nation that can say, in God we trust. Which in Christ's name I pray. Amen. The invitation, of course, is open to everyone. But I want to challenge the men to begin with. I want to challenge you if you're willing to make a commitment to God to say that you're going to do your best to keep your altar active. That you want to be men of faith, men that lead in your homes, that you're going to be men of prayer. That you're going to chase after God, move past the ruin that's in your life, spread your life toward God. If you're willing to tell God you want to keep your altar active, I want to ask you to come up and take one of these stones and kneel and pray. And then I want you to take the stone home with you and put it in a conspicuous place by your Bible, on your mantle place or whatever and let that stone be a reminder that you need to build your altar. There's some small ones up here if you want a small one to carry in your pocket to remind you day to day that wherever you are, you need to carry your worship of God with you. The invitation is up to anyone, open to anyone. Ladies, teenagers, children, but especially the men first. Will you come, make a commitment before God? Grab your altar stone. Pray and commit to keeping your altar active in your home. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.